A dance CEO thrives every day with focus on gratitude, growth, and feeling aligned. Unapologetically putting themselves first, striving to become their best self personally and professionally, creating their own definition of fulfillment and success, rejecting the starving artist mentality and competition mindset for one of abundance in all things, including the success of other dance business owners. Welcome to the Dance CEO Podcast. Hello, I'm Audra Allen, the Dance CEO Coach lifelong dancer, choreographer, and educator. I'm a happily remarried, part-time mom of two little humans and three bonus little humans, proud thriver of adult diagnosed ADHD, lover of the beach, travel, houseplants, reading, and your host for today's episode. Thank you for being here. Welcome to part three of this ADHD mini series I'm doing within my podcast because it is at the core of who I am. It is literally informing how I show up every day, how I work, who I am as a mother, daughter, wife, partner, friend, business owner, coach, you know, all the things. So, and I just thought it was very relevant to give all of that to you because I feel I've been holding back such the most important part of me, I believe, and it's doing a disservice to you if I don't share. So the first part, I shared the journey of that adult diagnosed portion up to now. And then the second part of this was diving into the business side of having my business with ADHD and ways that I show up to honor myself and work with my brain and not against it. And now I'm going to get pretty vulnerable. And you're probably thinking, Audrey, you've already been vulnerable. Well, I'm going to dive into my childhood. And I'm going to share some major ahas I have now about my upbringing and specifically in the dance training world not knowing I had ADHD, but full on, but full on had ADHD. And I'm going to share some memories. This might be a little bit longer episode because of this. And none of this is out of anger towards anyone that might have, you know, negatively impacted me in these situations, anything like that. It's just to share because maybe there's something that you relate to in this, my story in this journey that might help you on your process more to more self-awareness uh, or helping others that you know in the dance world on their journey of awareness of this process. So I want to start with that. I grew up in in Colorado um, in a home with eight people total. There's six kids. I was number four. My mom had us boy, girl, boy, girl, boy, girl. Um, My dad was a full-time college professor. He was the director of the choir at the university. So was able to do what he was passionate about, but of course on a very low budget. My mother was a stay-at-home mom, but also started her own cleaning business when I was very young because she needed to help supplement the income so that we could have clothes on our body, which she learned to sew, or she was sewed, so she was, we, a lot of my clothes were made by my mom growing up or patched from hand-me-downs from my older siblings. Um, you know, my dad, my dad's income covered like the bills and basics, but my mom's was able to, but it was like the physical things that we needed, just the basics to survive. Not a sob story, but just sharing like, I was already in an environment that was a lot of survival going on. And so I don't think it would have been even been beneficial. And there, were, there was really no way for things to be set up in a way to support me if we had known I had ADHD. So I came out of the womb dancing. The joke was always that I, I didn't come out walking. I came out dancing and wearing high heels. And my parents, as a Christmas gift, gave me ballet lessons at the age of five, thinking it might be a phase. Well, the joke was on them. I never stopped taking class after that. And I had already knew before the age of five that I wanted to be a professional ballet dancer, which I don't recall how I would, I would know such a thing. I didn't. I don't know how I would know what a professional ballet dancer was. But lo and behold, I had a mission. My I was destined to do it. And... 
I generally speaking, not just in dance training, looking back, I very much did this thing that's called masking. If you're neurodivergent and becoming more familiar with this term, which is when you, you show up in a way that allows you to be received better by other people. The expectations are met that people have of you. You come across as a really good student. You are able to um, just do what's asked of you. You don't really fight back on that. And it's particularly prominent in females, which is why so many women were not diagnosed as children is because not only did they not exhibit so many of the behaviors that were more common, commonly expected in boys with ADHD, but also they were masking so many of their symptoms. Um, so it was just missed entirely. And one of some of the key traits, if you masked as a kid growing up, or even still do as an adult, is people pleasing, which is right as you, you are willing to sacrifice your own needs, wants, you're not even sure what your own needs, wants are, and you're just focused on making sure other people are comfortable or getting what they desire, because that, that lessens any so, social tension, and you're already emotionally dysregulated if you don't know it, and there's just all these multiple nasty layers to this that can be nasty, but it doesn't have to be. Well, I was all of these things, all of these things growing up. And so if we put ourselves in the setting of a ballet classroom, and I grew up in very classically trained ballet, like, and that was my main thing. I was in a very classically focused dance studio, um, you know, with other styles of dance, but all very, very classically focused. So the rigidity of the, the ballet room, right? Like, you know, you are to be seen, not heard. You can ask teacher questions, but it need to be at the appropriate time and place with the hand raised. Um, you know, when these classes I remember coming an hour and a half into my early teen years and whatnot, someone who was very hyper after having sat in class all day at school, uh, struggling but masking, was then spending, you know, an hour and a half, two hours longer in the evenings, multiple days a week, and that's uh, eventually it was six days a week, of then also being extremely restricting in my expression and my movement as well. And one of the ways I've always been hyperactive is talking and talking extremely fast. And so I was always that student while paying attention in class and absorbing everything and doing things, I would also still be talking and making friends on the side while I was waiting for my turn to go across the floor. And there are many times that I have one particular ballet teacher that would get really frustrated with me because I just couldn't stop. They'd ask me, they'd tell me multiple times to stop talking and I just impulsively could not because impulsivity is another trait of ADHD and I would be like hyper-focused or whatever the big emotion was that I was feeling was coming out and showing up and talking a lot fast. And I have been excused from class, putting it nicely, multiple times like before I could even drive into my mom, this is like us pre having cell phones so I can just call my mom and let me know, let her know I was done early. I'd be just sitting downstairs outside the building waiting and she'd come up and I'd be like, hey, I was kicked out of class again. <laughs> and it was just something like I just did not have the capacity to understand the cause other than I just knew that I like loved being in dance. I had these big feelings about being there and as a result, my body impulsively just needed to express it and it would come out and talking. So... That was common. Not, I'm not saying like weekly, but definitely a handful of times I have strong memories of being excused from class. Um, thinking about being my being a student, uh, just an education system, I did go to public school growing up. I uh, was totally there for the socialization. Absolutely loved connecting with others. Was not there for the education. I could have cared less. I just want to focus on dancing, but of course I had to go. And so thankfully the socialization part kept me motivated to go to school. Uh, I really struggled socially. I was I was friendly with everybody. I didn't really have a clique that I fit into. 
But at the same time, there's something called um, rejection sensitive dysphoria that people with ADHD experience, RSD. And it's you having the fear of potentially being rejected even before an actual situation has occurred that you that you are or could be rejected and you create scenarios of potential rejection. So that can show up as severe anxiety, pre-social interactions or worrying that you might have offended somebody because you're being hyper aware of them, empathetic. And so you're reading them like we're really good at reading cues. And then we're taking things personally and thinking that we caused someone's um, being upset, disturbed, not okay, thinking we did it. And we take that on because we're people pleasing and we have the rejection sense of dysphoria. Like we're really over oversensitive about the possibility of being rejected. And it's not just like, oh, they don't like that about me. It's like they don't like me as a person. It's like a big thing. And this is a big challenge for people who are neurodivergent in socializing. This was very much me looking back that I had so many social awkward interactions because of the RSD, but also designed to be friends with people, but also not doing great with a lot of social cues and the talking fast and the impulsivity and just, you know, hot mess. Like I said in a previous episode, I am type seven of the different types of ADHD. I'm the ring of fire where all parts of my brain are going at once all the time, hence the term. And that very much just showed up externally. And so if you're someone who's known me a good chunk of my life in person, who's listening, you're like, oh yeah, that's literally you. (laughs) And there are many times, I have many interactions and memories growing up both on like the education side and the dance world of just really painful interactions because of all these things about my ADHD brain that I did not know were my ADHD. And I like just couldn't control sometimes like people would say, I don't want to talk about this anymore. And my impulsive desire to people please them and fix the possibility that I might have offended them. And I don't want to be rejected by them would keep me from not being able to stop. And I would like feel out of control and like continue to push on something that was asked to be done. Like, I would say that boundaries are not naturally a common thing that we develop who are neurodivergent. And um, I shared at the end of the last episode that I have a very strong belief that in theory that the majority of the people in the dance world are neurodivergent in some scale uh, because for many reasons, um, (laughs) but people pleasing is a very common trait for people with neurodivergence. And, um, that's a very common trait for people in the dance world. <laughs> I come across that all the time. I experienced it. My clients normally have it and are working through it, have worked through it and released it, or just now becoming aware of it, or finally ready to release it. And it's just about building, like, you know, one of the key things with that is building the healthy boundaries to learn how to put yourself first, release other people's expectations. The imposter syndrome is released. Finally realizing that it's not a competition that everyone has space for everyone and there's room for you to serve who you're meant to serve and that it's okay if there's some people who don't like you and there are other people who love you and that it's not personal. Um, yeah. So that was a little side note that just, my brain just went down that road. (laughs) Um, so it just was very impactful in some ways, absolutely loved that. Like I would get, I would get accepted into summer dance intensives some big names because of my energy I had in class and my focus and my desire to be there and my expressiveness, not necessarily always for my technical abilities, but because like I had a lot of natural ability with musicality and how my body moves, like moves through space. Those were strengths, but not necessarily the technical consistency. So I know I got accepted because of my ADHD. I just didn't understand it at times. <laughs> but then also then there'd be hindrances and there'd be challenges because of my ADHD. When I go to the summer intensives and have social challenges or struggle to, um, you know, stay um, present in class or like talk too much. 
But on the other side, people are like, well, how are you able to stay focused in an hour and a half class if it's like very slow paced and your brain needs to be constantly, um, you know, hitting dopamine hits and like feeling like it's getting rewarded. And one of the other things that people with ADHD have is hyper focus. And so from a very young age, I got long-term hyper-focused on ballet. Like I went all in. I was so hyper-focused. Like I would say this was like an umbrella hyper-focused to up until like my my 20s. That like I was all in on ballet. Like I poured over all the magazines, dance magazine and point magazine came out. Like I I was subscribed to that. I'd cut out pictures, put them on my walls. I would, you know, use like I as I just saw it as like desiring to achieve this goal, but looking back now as a very much a hyper-focus and going all in. And so being in the studio, I had long-term hyper-focus goals. Like I needed to perfect these things. I needed to impress the teacher. I needed to better myself and improve myself. I needed to da-da-da-da-da. And that was like the perfect storm to feed some of the unhealthy balances of the ADHD without my being aware of it. So in some ways, like it impacted my relationship with my family. Like I could not grasp the concept of sacrificing going to dance class to go on a family camping trip that I didn't want to go into when really, you know, the priority should have been cultivating my relationship with my family and the ballet would have still been there, but like I couldn't grasp that. And if you're listening to this right now and you're saying like, but wait, that's, that's just normal. You're just like, really, we're all in on this goal. I'm like, no, there's an unhealthy level of that. There's like a healthy level of pursuing a goal. And I now know what that is and I have them and I love working towards them. But what I love more is that I know I can still achieve them while I'm building my current day-to-day life and building those things that are even more important to me. Um, and I would say, you know, one of the key things that told me that this was unhealthy and like looking back now is that. I didn't identify as Audra who happened to dance. It was that I was a dancer who happened to be named Audra and did other things. And that being a dancer was my core identity. And I know that there's so many of you who in the dance world resonate with this and used to be like that or still are. There's still many, many adults in the dance world, whether they're teachers now, studio owners, whatever, who still view themselves as a dancer first and then maybe are concerned that they don't have any other identity to that people might not like them because they've only ever been known as a dancer. And if they strip that away or make it a secondary thing that they're not going to like what they're going to find for themselves or they're not familiar with themselves or other people might not find interest in them. Um, I know because I've gone through all of the grieving of that and this, 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 the, how scared I was in that process and the and uncertainty and then like the rejection sensitive dysphoria comes in because you're worried that people will reject you if you're coming across, if you end up being something else and how you've been presenting yourself and even coming across as like presenting the best dancer version, you even really like that's not who you are underneath. Like there's so many layers to this and it's not very healthy. Like it's not. It was not healthy for me in my mindset and a lot of other ways. And naturally, just going back to the social aspect, um, I had so much anxiety growing up and I didn't know it was anxiety and I didn't know it wasn't normal. I mean, it's normal for people with ADHD, but I mean, it wasn't normal and like, oh, it's not healthy to constantly be in a state of anxiety. And I specifically had anxiety whenever it came to like being in front of other people. Like when I was directing the high school dance program after my graduate program, after my graduate degree, um, I know um, I would go out the beginning of each performance and be on the stage and speak to all the audience members. And I would have so much stress and anxiety about that. I don't have anxiety about public speaking at church, um, other things. And it was because I was afraid of messing up how people perceived me. And if I didn't come across how I wanted to present myself. 
it was a mask. I was afraid of the mask not being there to save me. Again, I did not know any of this at the time, but looking back and working on it and all of that. So um, it has impacted relationships. I mean, honestly, it was a huge part of why my marriage was not successful. But looking back and my part in the marriage and the relationship wasn't healthy to a degree because of my unknown ADHD and how I showed up and my emotional dysregulation and my expectations and my lack of understanding of myself and acceptance just by not knowing negatively impacted a 10-year relationship. It's amazing what happens when you get clarity on who you are and what you're doing in life and your purpose and just accepting at your core who you're meant to be, who God has designed you to be, who the universe has created for you to be, you know, whatever you believe in, whether it's higher power or not, and just, you know, who you are at your core is not a label. It is not a particular way to show up other than just your authentic internal self. And I now know that I'm Audra at my core and orbiting in my space. I have many different things that help show who I am, but they're all parts of me. They're not me at my core. I am a business owner. I do do I do help people transitions in their lives. I am a mother. I am a remarried wife. I do have bonus children. I do love teaching. I do love dancing. I love going to the beach. I love houseplants. I love having ADHD. I have siblings. I have parents. I have nieces and nephews. I like to paint. I grew up musically inclined. I like to play the piano. I'm learning the guitar. I like just so many things like I like nature. I love traveling. Like these are all parts of me. Not, not one of these things defines who I am. They all support me as a whole. But at my core, I'm Audra, who loves serving people, who has a good heart, who believes in God, who um, genuinely believes in kindness, who strives to do better and who is growth minded, who like, you know, these these are who I am. And these other things are how I can show up with those traits. So I know I didn't go into too many stories. I just gave a few because I kind of drew a blank as one does sometimes while I was in the process of sharing this episode. I'm going to share one more episode and it's going to be on the more employment side of things, not just in the dance world, but like college age moving forward with some things that were successful. And now I know it's because I had ADHD and a lot of things that weren't because of the ADHD. So thank you for being on this journey. Again, if you're finding this beneficial or want someone else to listen to it to see if they relate at all, please share, you know, subscribe, leave a review to help help it get in front of more people, not for my benefit, but for other people, because I'm just here to share. And if it impacts you in any way, also DM me and let me know. I'm here to receive your story, here to receive support or support you. You can reach me um, on Instagram at the dance CEO coach, send me a DM, I'll be happy to talk with you. And I really appreciate you listening and receiving what I've had to share. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Dance CEO Podcast, where aspiring or established dance business owners and entrepreneurs learn to become the CEO of your life and business. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review and rating. To stay up to date and get all the behind the scenes content, you can follow me, your host, on Instagram at the Dance CEO Coach. Until next time.